Hey guys, and welcome to the Madness Continues podcast. Uh, this is, of course, me, Brendan Lemon, talking to you live from Chicago, Illinois. This is a unique episode. I just wanted to address this real quick. I've actually got two people on this episode. Uh, Matthew Bright, who is a unique guy, super cool, very interesting fellow who is involved with the Laugh Factory Chicago. He'll tell you about it. He does a lot of social media for them, but... He's really pioneering a lot of different things, and he's a he's a guy who I I'm not gonna lie to you. I entered this conversation and was kind of like, yeah, we'll see where this goes. But it's been one of the the most interesting that I think we've had on the pod. He's a he's a very progressive guy. He's a very unique guy. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. And he um he has a he has a lot of perspective, and honestly, he's a really smart dude. And whether or not I hope I hope it comes across in the podcast, but you can just tell talking to him that you're like, this guy has a lot going on. And then the second part of this is going to be a uh, an interview I recorded with Corey Wood here in Chicago uh, some weeks ago, and it's just a quick thirty minute. Corey and I were at a mic just around the corner from the apartment, and I decided, why not? Let's just come back, have a couple of drinks, and get some kind of drunken shenanigans going on. Um, before I even go much further, though, I really want to address this. Um, you know, I, social media is uh, changing the way that obviously we all relate to each other. And I just want to say that, you know, if you're, if you care about progressive rights, if you care about people, if you care about um, LGBTQA, P plus, um, you know, if you care about people who have been traditionally marginalized, however you want to put that, getting um, attention getting sensitivity, respect, getting the kind of, um, you know, accommodation and uh, appreciation that maybe they haven't been afforded in the past. I think the a good way to do that is not by, not by insulting people on social media. And I want to address this because this came up just recently that uh, somebody in the Chicago comedy scene really insulted a lot of people uh, who I know and care about, and she didn't know anything about them and about their lives or history or where they came from or what they've dealt with, and painted them with a really broad brush. And I think that if you are someone who who wants to win people over, a bad way to do it is by being uh, insulting. And I know that's kind of weird for me to put that here right at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> All eight of you listening are probably like, what the fuck is Brennan talking about? But here's the thing. Um, I care about these things too. And it's frustrating to me to see people like that who insult others who don't automatically or immediately agree with them. And uh, you're just not going to win anybody over. And you're making other people look bad. And quite frankly, this is why guys like Donald Trump won. And why maybe he's going to win again is because you're making people who are honestly good people deep down. Uh, into You're painting them as enemies and you're treating them like they're evil. And they're going to resent you. Because that's not how they think about themselves. And um, I just am sad to hear that. I, I'm not going to shoot any names out yet. Uh, if this keeps going, I might do it. Um, maybe you've all tuned out <laughs> by now because it's been five to ten minutes on this podcast. But 
All right, I won't take any more time up. It's only been four minutes, and uh, we're going to give you Matthew Bright and then go right into Corey Wood. Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, honestly, week over week, I really appreciate this. So keep going, and uh, thank you so much. Bye. Uh, <clears throat> here we are, man. Green room at the Laugh Factory Chicago. Yeah. This is, uh, this is, uh, I'm sorry I had to push this off, Matt. No, it's, it's cool, man. I, I understand the world of entertainment. <laughs> I had, uh, unfortunately it was the world biology. I was like really horribly sick last yeah. week. It was so bad. And I, it's actually like genuinely, it's like this weather, we were just talking about it before I started this, the, uh, the mic up, but it was, it's been so humid. Yes. And it's been like fucking awful in the city of Chicago. And I wasn't just here. I was in St. Louis and like I was like back and forth and uh, kind of just all over and and really like going nuts in the last few weeks because like not to make this about me like right off the bat, <laughs> even though that I feel like every episode of my podcast is just actually subtly actually just about me. No. But I uh, I've had this. I have this family from England who is in town. My family's from Britain. Oh, OK, cool. And. Just the most, they're so, we're so white, we're translucent. Like, it's like, it's abs- <laughs> it's ridiculous. And they came over here for two weeks. And then before that, my girlfriend's family was out here. And it was just like a constant, like, nonstop. I had, like, no break time. Right. And before that, I was in New York for the New York Television Festival. And it was just all this stuff. So then finally, I think my body, like, caught one weekend to, like, chill. And then it was like, ah, now you're fucked. Oh, like, by the way, everything. You're sick. Yeah. We've been trying to tell you something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This has literally been like I was at it for weeks. Then it was finally like, yeah, hey, now's the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, and then all this humidity and everything—it was just the worst. So <laughs> we had to move this last week. But the guest on the pod today, Matthew Bright. How uh, you doing? You you wear a lot of hats at the Laugh Factory. Uh, that's what they tell me, but I tell them most of the time. I'm just the I'm the social media manager here. I just that's the one. Well, I, it's interesting because social media is really we talk when I talk to Curtis. Social media has always been a big part of like the Laugh Factory Chicago. So. Yeah. And you're, and that was what he did. So you're apparently in a very, very important track and very important position. Yes, uh, I've been here since January of this year. Yeah. And uh, Curtis had a plan, and I was like, I have, I ha- I too have a plan, and I think they're both good. So let's Im- implement them. Uh, phase one starts this year, and he was like, That sounds good to me. And I was like, All right. And so here we are, and. Uh, Things are going pretty well. They're going pretty good. Yes. Yeah. Well, you guys do. I think what's fascinating is you guys do a lot of stuff. We'll get into it in a second. But before that, I want to say that before I even knew what your official title was and like what you did here at the Laugh Factory, I always just knew you as the guy who I would come upstairs and meet in the tiny back room and have like really fucking woke ass conversations That's about me. like. <laughs> yeah. So when I first got here, yeah, yeah. When I first got here, I was in the sound booth and. Uh, I'm from a, like I went to high school in a small town. So like the thing that I got from a small town is you don't keep your mouth shut. Like you say, <laughs> say, say whatever it is. Yeah. I left the ignorant stuff out. But like <laughs> so in the sound booth is where I started. And a lot of times the comics would come up there and talk about the news that's going on throughout the day. And like I treated that space like I was at home because the TV was right in there and the sets would be going on. I'd be watching yeah. the time and lighting the comics and just having conversations. It felt yeah. like it was like your room. Like it, it feels like it's your room. Like it feels like we're hanging out and like, I was always like, does Matt sleep here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> does he, does he like, does he, cause all I, I was like, that's the only place I ever saw you. And I yeah. was like, yeah. and then and it did feel like everybody would be hanging out in the space. Like I'd come up and it would be like, 
Skyler and the whole Young Hustle crew, oh, the basically. Young Hustle show. Uh, uh, Jarrell Scott Barnes was a common guy that came up there. Kelly Howard, Abby Sanchez. Yep. Uh, who else would come up there? Uh, David Carter started coming up there. Tucker Millette. Uh, just a there's a slew of people would just come in there and be like, yeah. "Hey, what's the lineup like?" And then like, it would become a conversation. Like Kelly, Kelly Howard is huge on like being very motivational. Oh yeah. Just like we would get drawn into these conversations, and it was always big stuff. And Clay. Clay Hurlbutt. Yeah, as yeah. Well. My unofficial little brother. Oh, yeah. He would always be like, say a thing, and everybody's like, ah, here we yeah, go. Yeah, here we go, man. Here it is. Man, it's, right. it, yeah, let me tell you that, man. <laughs> the thing this is, is you, the, this is the problem with society. <laughs> yeah, listen, let me tell you something. Y'all don't even know what it really is to be hurting, you know? I know what it means to be hurting. Right. <laughs> like, what right. the fuck are you but, talking about? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was the vi- but the vibe was like high energy, lots of laughs. People enjoyed it. We, I met a lot of people uh, just doing sound yeah and then, uh one day i was like looking through the social media i was like i think i could do this you know like, i got some ideas and he's yeah, like yeah. well we don't really ever really hire anybody to do that and i was just like well let me know when you do because what i know like at my old job i was i worked at a small media company on the south side uh-huh. and uh, this was at facebook time and they were like wanted young black millennials that was their target market so i was like okay yeah and came up with a marketing plan i implemented it uh, they were like well we want you to do content videos so i started writing uh shooting editing content videos you had to do the whole you had to yeah. wear every hat yeah, yeah so and then our first one of the videos i did was called no means no with this uh talent that was there jenny christian and uh, we did a thing about Amber Rose, and it was the first video they had ever had at this company with over 10,000 views. Holy shit. And so uh, the next video has 8,000. And then and then I was like, okay, I can do this. Some deals came along, and then I walked away. Yeah. Internal stuff happened. Sure. I walked away, whatever. Sure, sure. And then I came here, and since January, um, I mean, we've been getting so many, so many comments and messages and you know, it's led to some really cool stuff like uh, Tiffany Haddish. We're on her radar now. She oh, yeah. She much interacts with us a lot. And, yeah. Uh, Phoebe Robinson is another. And then Esther's going to be here in October. Yeah, so. it's nuts. We were just talking. You were just talking about this before uh, we got the recording equipment going. But, like, you yeah. have a lot of, like, suddenly we're on the radar of all these, like, national, national comics acts, who yeah. kind of previously weren't aware of the fact that the Laugh Factor Chicago was even existed. Right, which was, like, to me, because I was like, man, to not know this place, if you saw the front of this place. Like you <laughs> walking up and somebody yeah. told you I've never heard of this place. I'd be like, they'd be like, what the fuck? It's, <laughs> it sticks out so yeah. badly. How could you not even? And so, and then like, you know, the name world famous laugh. Actor, yeah, obviously. Kind of yeah. Thing. The so brand. Like, I mean, it's like such a strong brand and it's yeah. fascinating because it's just so many, so many like amazing comics come out of Chicago and so oh, many yeah. who are up and coming right now. Who yeah, we had Chris generation. Red here in June. Yeah. And he, he brought Roy Wood Jr. with him and they were fun. Uh, and then they put up, our people, you know, they put up Kristen Toomey, Joe McMahon, Joey Villagomez. Oh, yeah. They yeah. did a whole bunch of stuff with Roy Wood Jr. Did a whole bunch of stuff with the Young Hustle yep. crew. And yeah. like, yeah, like they were very then suddenly they know, these are all connections that these guys have now. Yeah. And we all documented it and we all put it up on social media and we get like recently we've been engaging our uh, 
our base with uh, Instagram stories that are more yeah. not just promotional because you know what it, like that's one of the biggest things about about comedy I've noticed is like I have this show go to the show I have the show go to the show but like it's so real man everybody I was just talking with Anthony about Benazzo about this a little bit is that it's like there's such a I mean and it, it's like you have to hustle so I don't begrudge anybody for correct yeah but like uh, a lot of it is just very much like book me or go to my show and like yes. that's the only thing anybody puts out and uh, it's hard. I think it's kind of hard. I mean, maybe it's just a lack of imagination on many comedians parts and lack of focus in the sense that you're focusing on your material. You're focusing on your act. But like a lot of it is just those two things. Yeah. yeah like a lot of it is. A, I mean, and it also becomes this like realization, right? Like you're a comedian. You're not. Yeah. Like like for here, like the promotion to me was before I started here was we are a comedian. We weren't a comedy club. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like we were promote like same day, like come to this show this exact day and the same day and the same night. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Like, I was like, I don't know. And you're know. like, in this world, man, so many people got plans. Plans already, right. And then yeah. Friday, you're telling people to come out on Friday I'm night. I'm already at hours home. Hours before they decide to go out on I'm Friday night. I'm trying to binge watch Netflix. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I've already made my plans, but if you can say like, hey, months ahead, like Chris Red's going to be here in June. You should totally, you're going to, you're going to miss out. And in that time, lots of things happen for Chris Red. You know. Oh he's man, yeah. Chris and Red suddenly starts, people are like, "Shit!" Oh, like no, he's and then this guy's gonna be at our club in the city in Chicago, his home club. Oh, we gotta go. Yeah. Right. And now people know um, with the content that we've created and the way we've gone about our strategy here that you know our pace is picked up quickly. And um, I'm I'm proud of the work that th- that Curtis puts in, especially because. I was like, I told him I could do a thing and <laughs> I told him I could do the thing in like a year. I said, you're going to have to at least give me a year. Yeah. But the pace has picked up so heavily that I'll probably will probably I'll probably pace it. I'll pace that. Well, yeah. I think it's it's fascinating. First of all, that's amazing. And like, that's amazing that you've been able to do that. And uh, and, and it's amazing that you've been able to do it kind of nationally in the sense that you're getting attention from like people who are way outside of the market. But it's fascinating what Curtis, I think, is also trying to do. And it sounds like you're an integral part of, which is like bring a lot of industry attention here and try to bring a lot of I mean, just just general attention more. And it's fascinating because like you're obviously developing the scene in a way that it hasn't been developed maybe even ever before. Because like it's just fascinating because Chicago comedy is like really good, but it doesn't have a ton of attention for stand up. Right. And it also interestingly is kind of like it, it i don't want to say it's like it's old because it's not it's not quite the right word but like you know you basically have three clubs in chicago yeah yeah you got zanies and you have the laugh factory and then you have comedy bar correct and comedy bar is is people come you know national headliners come in leave they they've been also maybe kind of i mean i don't want to like shots fired or anything but you could make the argument and curtis sort of <laughs> <laughs> alluded to this that they're sort of copying a little bit of what the laugh factory model is also no comment <laughs> yeah all right i won't yeah. say anything I, else i know like i invited them on to this, the podcast to oh, like yeah. talk about it and they they declined or at least they didn't they did they were like not right now so well, i mean yeah. like i'm saying like i'm stirring up anything like nobody listens to this well, goddamn thing well the, <laughs> no, no well, uh, like i I believe that when I first came to into the comedy scene, and I'll and this is just from my from my own research, because when I when I do social media, social media is constantly ingested into things that have nothing to do with you. Oh yeah, totally. As far as the the profession itself, and so I was like, okay, well, what are? Of course, I have to know 
what the market's doing. Yep. You know, and so with that, in that regard, if that's what Comedy Bar is doing, if that's what Zanies is doing, I understand that. Yeah. I would do it too. I'd be like, I got to know what I'm up against before I just start yep. throwing blows, and like before I just come up with a plan. So, uh, my initial, my initial assessment months ago, even though a year ago at this point, because what is it, almost September now? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, no one cared. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was a lot of uh, the consensus was, you know, social media is a disingenuous platform yep. that people feel is like it's just to get likes and none of that means anything. And uh, meanwhile, in the world of business, social media is outpacing traditional marketing budgets. Well, you know? that's that's not only is that huge. I mean, a big shift that's happened in the last few months that I've noticed is that traditional television brands have been advertising on YouTube. Correct. And I haven't seen that on Facebook yet. And I haven't seen it on Instagram TV yet. But like, I'm sure that's going to happen at some yes. point. Yes. And the second thing that I think is that brings me to is it's fascinating because you're in a really unique position because when Curtis was sort of helming social media uh, and how he got started here, a lot of what he was doing was rudimentary in the sense that social media as an ecosystem itself hadn't really evolved or it wasn't that sophisticated. It wasn't, right. He was, he was, at, it was at a time where, and like when he was, I would say right around the time that he was manning that I was at that other media company mm -hmm. and Facebook was a place uh, where you could uh, build a business and build a following and reach more people. Um, but as Facebook and Instagram have grown and paid more attention to algorithms and reactions from their communities yeah uh you see these places uh changing now where it does almost reflect traditional marketing mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying because it's like yeah like it's a matured space. space yeah yeah absolutely it's a matured space and they you and they 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 bend to the to the advertising dollars that are coming in their way and suddenly a lot of the things that you might have been able to do previously you can't do i don't know if that's true with instagram and that's why I was actually going to ask you about this is if whether or not you have a plan to do something with Instagram TV, because that is a fascinating new technology. It, yeah. Instagram, Instagram TV to me, I've been so I, it didn't it's only been out a few months. Yeah, it hasn't been so out there that hasn't long at all. been a new bug or a new update um, yet. But um, it for right now, it seems pretty lawless. So that means whatever tricks in the past that people were using, <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they started using them now because the original IGD, IGTV's platform is, uh, it, your followers will see these videos. Yep. So if you've got millions of followers and you start in, in, in engaging them through that, you'll get views. But what about the guy that's got 2000 followers and wants to use, utilize this platform? Yep. Um, also, it's vertical video. IGTV is trying to say that this is the way normal people hold their, hold phone, their phone. So that's where they're going to watch <laughs> it's it. It's so weird. But yeah. And then there's no official format. It would they, make more sense if it was square, to yeah, be perfectly well, honest. It's, it's such a, it's such a um, stubborn platform, <laughs> if there's any way to really put it. But um, the pl we do have a plan in the works right now. We did just launch our like pilot episode of a show. Uh, that we did uh, called Check the Comments. And on that show, uh, we have 
comedians that are featured on the Laugh Factory Hollywood page, and they get millions and millions and millions of views on the Instagram page. So we let them read the comments from those posts that have gone viral with 3 million, 4 million views. Oh, that's great. And the first episode has Carly Kane and Erica Nicole Clark. And uh, Carly Kane's joke about her dad's uh, penis. And Erica Nicole Clark, just she's got multiple videos on there. That yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's uh, where can people get at that? Uh, they can go on to Laugh Factory underscore CH. And go right onto our page, right to our IGTV post, and just it's the last thing I've posted. So oh hell yeah, man! Yeah, that's good. I'm gonna go check that. I'll link to it in the show comments oh, so that everybody can go check yeah, it out. That'd be great. I, our IGTV has so much of my so much of my idea is that if Chicago is considered like one of the best cities in the world for for comedy, and yet oh my the, god, this this ambulance. That's Chicago. Yeah, this is we. Uh, everybody, I should let, I should mention probably can hear the Eric. First of all, you can hear this ambulance because it's literally right outside the window. But uh, and then also that is this neighborhood. Yeah. And then also everybody can hear the air conditioner probably because it is like a fucking is, sauna outside. Yeah, without this, it is. And now it's raining, so maybe it'll cool off. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> man. Hopefully, this whole this whole thing's down. Broke. All right, sorry. So you're but, talking about Chicago comedy. Yeah. yeah. Chicago comedy is considered one of the best cities in the, in, in the country for comedy. And it's the only city where people are like, no comics from here. Oh, yeah. But don't necessarily come here to see those. It's comics. total. It's, it's total madness, odd, man. Yeah. yeah. It's total madness that there will be comics who are legit. Like Chris Red is kind of like this. I bet Chris Red had people. Chris Red, SNL. Chris Red, this is not happening. Chris Red. Fucking, you got now it's storming outside, man. Great. This is shit. I don't know. Uh, it makes this real. It makes this podcast <laughs> real. He's got all this shit, but like, there's so many people who probably in his life never came out to see him. Yeah. When he was like around right, here. Right. When he was here. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. And it's no. like, because one of the things that like that is really cool. I was like, Chris Red, Chris Red did that commercial, that Ian Madden commercial. Yeah. With Nicki Minaj and Lil Dicky. Yeah. And then he's sitting there telling a story to Lil Dicky in this commercial, and I'm just like. He was just here and people and, and no one's it's still like, you yeah. still got to convince people. Yeah. Like, no, you should come see this. Yeah. Show. He was at fucking uh, he came out to I remember the first time I saw him was at Undergrad Underground. <laughs> I mean, it was like and I you know what I mean? I came out yeah. and saw the show and I I mean, I knew who he was and stuff. But even that wasn't totally sold out. And it was like, and, and then not not long after that, he got SNL. Yeah. And you're like, how the fuck do people not? Stephen King's another example. Stephen Stephen yeah. King. Fucking, uh, you know, writer on SNL. Yes. Uh, Stephen Castillo. And uh, same thing. All these shows. And you see him. He was a genius. I thought he was a genius when he was here. Did my house show. Yeah. And, like, people people were like, oh, that guy was kind of funny. And I was like, oh, he's going to be on a show some other day. And they were like, eh, I'm okay. Yeah. You're like, yeah, now he's a writer on SNL. Like, where the fuck were you? It's like, you know what I mean? It's and not like he got that and suddenly got 100 times right, better. Right. He was all right. He got it because he was good. And the and the thing is, like, so to me, I was like, if all this talent is here in Chicago, we just have to get people to care about yeah. it <laughs> yeah. here yeah. while it's here. Yeah. You know, like it 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 had to leave it, it, like a lot of the Chicago talent feels we got to leave to go different places. And, and, that, and that's their journey. That's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. Sure. But while you're here. We should treat you like they're going to treat you in L.A. They're going to treat you in New York if you land one of those things. And we shouldn't be the city that's 
oh, now that you've made it, we would love for you to be here. Come back. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, so like the, like Kristen Toomey, uh, she opened for Matt, Mark Maron not too long ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, Kelly Howard opened for Roy Wood Jr. I show, I, I show love to them all the time. Oh, yeah. And I think we should. Janelle, Janelle James is another one who, when she's in town, she comes here. We love Janelle. She's amazing. She's going to be on, she's got a 15 minute special dropping on Netflix in like a few days. Yeah. And so like you, yeah, Josh Johnson is another one who's writer, who's a writer for the Daily Show. Oh yeah, um, we, I ran into him in New York at Stand Up New York not yeah, long ago. And, we, and instead of waiting till they make it, you know, I'm like, check out these comics now yeah. because who knows when when you, you could be on now, you could know, and then when they're in town, you'll know. Instead of, I wonder if they ever are in Chicago. You mean the person from Chicago? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I wonder if they ever come back. <laughs> right. You think Hannibal ever comes back? You're right, like, <laughs> right. And he's like, if you, man, if you knew, if you yeah. only knew. Yeah. And so, like, my, 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 centri- like, here, my mantra is to just make sure our comics that are from this city or are, that are, we represent them wholly, we listen to them, we do content with them, and let them, and let people see them and not necessarily their comedy. Oh, man. Speaking of Clay Hurlbut. Speaking of Clay Hurlbut. And St. James. It's a whole Young Hustle crew just busting on this interview. It's half the hustle, at least. Man, this is a great podcast, y'all do. I love this podcast. It's my favorite podcast. <laughs> <laughs> man, so that guy needs to get into a gym. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think he has eight combs on deck all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't want you to give up, like, the secret sauce, but I'm curious. Uh, uh, yeah. What are you? So what do you, you said? You have, like, a multi-phase approach. I'm very interested to hear about, like, what your approach then to your social media strategy is. Because it's clear, it's clearly working. The, the approach, and for short, in a short term, is relationship based. Yeah. Uh, before traditional marketing, before social media marketing, there's this new technique, relationship based marketing. Yeah. And it's one of the most effective types of marketing. So, I stick to that, and I, I feel like, uh, one of the biggest industries on the planet that have the most control, banking. Yep. They use that. That like banks all do the same thing but you <laughs> yeah. will not believe how many people are like chase is better than bank of america it's like, like yeah dude they're the same bank yeah yeah <laughs> like you can you deposit there can you withdraw there okay then you know so we got all 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 branded banks here are aware right. of are owned by the same like two or three giant and they're and they're relationship based and they make you feel like this is where you need to be yeah yeah and so with that approach and other tips and tricks of the trade that I have. That's <laughs> why I'm here. <laughs> uh, well, you grew up. I just want to back. I mean, I want to take this way back, but you said you grew up in a small town. Where Where did you grow up? I uh, went to high school in Hammond, Indiana. I spent uh, from like 16. Just 16. over, not too far over the border. Yeah, like 30 minutes. Yeah. And I went to high school there. I was in on the south side of Chicago, uh, Calumet Heights, uh, right outside of, uh, right off of Cottage Grove. So like 87th is Stone. Oh, yeah, you were like right off, right at the yeah, end of the I, green line. I grew up where Common grew up, but I wasn't Common's age. So, <laughs> but Common, because ref- like, Common references like McDowell Elementary, which is the yeah, school yeah. on the south side that I went to till I was in third or fourth grade. And I was like, that's my school that Common is. I was like, he's the best rapper ever. And that was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, until somebody else references 87th, I'm not worried about it. But, um, no, so uh, I grew up over there, high school. I grew up in a small town, predominantly white at the time, uh, but 
there was like a small yeah. microcosm of like minorities there that um it was and it was like it was such a when i look back at it as an adult it's like a it was a good interpretation of where the country was going because we did have fights we did have breakouts we did have bomb threats and holy shit and yeah like all kinds of stuff you guys like had that. bomb threats yeah we had a legitimate bomb threat uh i want to say like my junior or senior year and it was like right after columbine holy so it shit was like man. everything had to be taken seriously we got metal detectors we got police officers oh my god thing. you guys had metal yeah, detectors yeah they, we couldn't go out to lunch anymore like I'm part of the last probably group of high schoolers that were like, yeah, we used to go off campus for lunch. Oh, like, yeah. There's yeah. no way they would have let me. Yeah. How, what year did you graduate? Uh, I graduated in 2002. Okay, got it. You're t- so you're two, two years older than me. I graduated in 2004, and it was definitely lockdown. Oh, like, yeah. There was nothing. Nobody was allowed to do shit. Yep. Like, we didn't have metal detectors, but we had – I went to a school of 6,000 kids, Ooh. and it was – yeah, it was enormous. And it was one of the largest uh, schools in the country – and there was actually three high schools on one campus and it was just crazy like the amount of like the security guards the like police officers all this shit god damn it clay hurlbut come up here rubbing my back this is a great podcast i really love this podcast well we're well, well, <laughs> good got, no, listeners i know that you can't see these guys but they both look beautiful <laughs> <laughs> young hustle show everyone clay hurlbut's just stroking his dick when he walked in here his, uh, a little cinema verte um what so I actually not to pivot the conversation, but I'm curious again. Like, what drew you to the, to the world of comedy and to the Laugh Factory? Oh, okay. So, actually, what drew me to Laugh Factory, um, I was when I was at UBM. That was when I started doing kind of because the the content I was creating was comedic. So I was yeah. writing about social issues yep. and like political issues and making jokes. I was telling trying to do jokes. Yeah. And uh, when the reception of it got to 3,000, an average of 3,000 views, average of 5,000, then the 15, I was like, oh, like people are enjoying my writing. And then the manager of Comedy Chicago, comedyofchicago.com. Oh, yeah. He, uh, James Camp. Yeah. He, he was like, hey, man, I think you're really funny. Uh, you should keep doing these videos. And I was like, thanks. But I didn't, I'd never thought that um, I could that I would go in this direction. Yeah. You never saw like that wasn't no. a pathway that you were imagining. No, but suddenly it started opening. It, it did because, um, the reason I even do social media is because I wrote a song that was in a movie. I don't know. What is it? 2018, uh, 2011, seven years ago. What, six, what, what ago? really? Yeah. The, the movie has Bruce Willis and uh 50 cent is called Setup. It is, so bad it is, <laughs> it is it is such a terrible movie it is uh the director of the movie is one of the characters in it and oh like, that's amazing on, right at the top he dies and oh, uh yeah, so yeah, good yeah and so and then 50 <laughs> cent is this is diamond heist and ryan Philippe like turns on him tries to kill him oh my god diamond, ryan Philippe is in the movie yes, too yes it's a oh my gosh and, and reese witherspoon's ex-husband is in this movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> And and so like my a song I wrote called Fade Out, uh, they they picked it to put in the movie. And was it like a contest or like we, how did they or what? Uh, no, so like there was a, a on behalf of a a public a publisher, publisher was like, hey, I'm gonna pitch your song to this movie. I think it would be good for this movie. And I was like, okay, like I'm down. Like how was what do I gotta do? And they gave me th- go run me through the whole process. And then there's three people left at the end. Yeah, they pick my song, and I'm like, dope. 
finally send me a copy of the movie. And you're like, this fucking sucks. This is trash. <laughs> but, but my music is definitely the, the menu music. So, yeah. like, you pop in the. Oh, menu and it's like right there. And it's the menu music right there. So, I was like, I can deal with this. And yeah. then this is the scene, though. This is like the first scene my music's in. This is verbatim, literally how it goes. They're like in the van. And uh, they're listening to this a transition from the last scene to the van, and the, my music starts playing. But then when they come to that scene, there's it's playing on the radio, and uh, Ryan Philippe goes, "Man, cut that corny shit off." <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. But, but to be fair, Fifty Cent gave him a look like, "Hey, man, I like that song." Like, it was like, <laughs> but other than that, it was just like. I got a yeah. So that and that came all through social media. I I put my music up on this website called Reverb Nation. Yep. Uh, they helped me build an electronic press kit and like how to market my music through social media to wow. get to the right people, dude. And then uh, once I got that deal with the publisher, the publisher got me in touch with those people. Now there, this is where the hard part comes in, because at the time, social media communication wasn't the way it was now, where you could just message, you know a superstar and be like, Hey, can you check this out? And sometimes they would. And sometimes they don't. Da, 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 da. Yep. I had to call multiple by multiple websites, multiple, my multiple contacts and emails every day. Jesus. Because the music industry is, Oh, this music sucks. Take it back. <laughs> Six months later, that same song, they'd be like, this is great. Yeah. Can't wait to promote it. Yeah. So, but, well, because so many things change in the world yeah. between now and then. And so, I mean, uh, that's just like, it's interesting to hear that because that's just like so many other things. Yep. That's just, that's sales development. That's, that's, uh, building a business. Yep. That's like a hundred. I was just listening to the interview on Tim Ferriss's podcast. The guy who founded, um, uh, Dropbox. Oh, okay. Yeah, people, he's a multi, he's a billionaire. Of course. I and was, all these people told him, like he literally, he was like, I've, if I had, if I talked to a hundred people when I was trying to build this company, a hundred people told me that this was not going to work and it had been tried before. And he's like, but, but there's this whole world of things that are happening outside of business. And even though it's been tried a hundred times before, it wasn't tried this hundred times. And even if it was the same idea, so many things have changed outside that maybe it's right now. Right. And that's, and that's basically what like all those webinars are telling me all the, the interviews I watched, all the articles are saying the same thing is like, they just, it, maybe it's just not the right time. And so, the, the song gets picked up, and this is how this, this gets even more transition. So then a community newspaper on the east side of yep. Chicago, um, right there, uh, right outside where those mills used to be, like real east end uh, stuff. And uh, this, this community newspaper called Our Neighborhood Times, and they like heard my music, heard me do my thing, and they're like, do you mind writing music reviews? Yeah. And I was like, um, I guess I've never written one, but I, yeah, Why the sure. Fuck not? Yeah, I was like, and I said, is there going to be an editor? They were like, yeah, and I was like, great, perfect, yes, I'm all for this, totally. <laughs> That's so amazing. I start writing those. Those get start getting well received in the neighborhood. Is there anything that you can't do? I don't at I, this point, here's, man. Here's the thing: you're you're three for three. Is no, what this well, sounds like. Well, it's just like these are baby steps to where I am now. That I told myself like. Take the opportunity, black man, because you may not get it again. And yeah. So like, <laughs> like, so every time something came, it was like that came, and then they were like, "Hey, do you mind being our blogger for our website?" And you were like, for, "Sure, yeah." I was like, "Sure." And then I started writing about the stuff that just irks me every day. And at that point, I was writing there, 
starting to write for a, the urban broadcast media on the south side right there on, on king drive shout out to them might as well because they they put me on they were part of the path part of the journey and uh I get on the blog site with them. They only had 800 likes at that time. They ended with 3,000 by the time I left O&T. Uh, and then uh, once all that's done, I start doing social media UBM. And then I come here mm-hmm. because there's a drought in between there where I was just like, man, um, people aren't that track record. Don't phase some people <laughs> <laughs> that track record. Don't do nothing for nobody sometimes. And I was like, no, I really know how to do this. Yeah. Let me. Show well, you. it's it's really funny, man, because like I um, so my day job as as listeners of the podcast will know because I've talked about it, is uh, I'm director of North American sales development at mm-hmm. a enterprise level um, cross channel marketing company, which sounds like a lot of gobbledygook. But basically we do like William Sonoma is a client. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we drive over a billion dollars with a B of revenue for them. So the company is a big fucking deal. And I have a team of people that I have eight people that I have trained. And they're bringing in millions of dollars of pipeline into the company, talking to brands that people shop at and eat at every day. Um, and I say that because um, that's a rather that is a I had to compete pretty hard to get into that position. But what's weird about it is like I'm my background in terms of like day job work is all basically like I had to, I graduated from college. My degree is in philosophy and creative writing. Uh-huh. And like I had to knock on doors, door to door looking right. for work because I graduated in detroit in 2009 so it was like nobody was hiring anybody it was the worst economy in the worst economy one of the worst economies oh it was so bad and i bring this up because it's like i had this totally weird and like any project i worked on i worked my ass off on because it was like sell or don't eat those are your options and so but i had this totally eclectic weird resume and i went to eastern michigan university not a ivy league school any of this stuff it was a great school i did fine but like um, just not like, you know, the, not like a big marquee name. Right, right. And right. it's weird because when I went to get the job that kind of gave me the opportunity that now has gotten me to this point, it was strange because when I was talking to them, they were like kind of looking through my employment history and were like, they're like, this guy, come on, man. Like, what do you, you know, what's your, come on, this is just this. You know, all this stuff right, that you you're just, doing. You were everywhere doing everything. Yeah. But for what reason? What's yeah, but it's purpose? so weird right. because it's like there's a whole level of people in the world that just all they want to do is see the seal, like the two stamps of approval, which is like you went to the right school and then you had the right job. <laughs> and like, that's it. And they right. feel fine about it. Right. They they need like the, the, the there's a lot of risk when when you are jump like because I jumped into this with. Again, like that track record sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> I worked hard for that thing. Yeah. You know? But like and then I guess for me, it was like in the Chicago comedy scene, in my opinion, there was no focus on social media. No, that was genuine. No. And so now I was like, well, that's perfect for me because like my mentality is to give to bring value to things. Yeah. that no one really thought there was anything there. Well, like, I think that I that's I think that's a great mentality because I feel I feel like you're this you're taking like basically you're you're hustling in a op, in a in a niche that there is an opportunity to hustle in and all it really needs is some intelligence and elbow grease because it's like comedy bar survives because they have uh, I, mean, I mean, they have a ton of tourists who show up to their place. Uh, they have a prime, prime, prime real estate. They got a great no real estate. They're right on top of a, one of the, you know, Chicago pizza joint. They're like, they got a great real estate. And I mean, like, they have good people there, too. I don't yeah. want to oh, yeah. bash the them. Oh, yeah, the comics that come through there are some yeah. of the same and comics that come through here. Yeah, totally. 
and uh, the you know they have good people running it, but yep. like they're they're they have a great location. Zanies is the oldest. Zanies has Bert Haas, who's been in the space for forty years. Like he's he knows everybody, and they have a gigantic email list, and they right. have the brand presence basically to just be like come down and people will visit. Our Shafir is going to be here, and then people show up. And Rosemont is also location. Is it's like, I mean, it's right near all those hotels. There's nothing to do. Like it's like. All of those things are true, but you guys are an Occupy unique position because you're a showcase, you know, comedy club. Comedy club that and theater. Yeah, and theater, and you're running unique shows. I mean, like, and this brings me to like what you're doing a little bit with social, uh, you know, social media is like, you know, uh, I'm gonna be talking to Zach Orion over the weekend. Um, right. We're talking to him about Verified Laughs a little bit. Yeah. This is like a fascinating show because it's it's as far as I know the only show in Chicago that's streamed live. Yeah, it's a stream. It's stream. So Verified Laughs is a stream live show. Uh, they, what they do and they vote, uh, co- the comedians do five sets. I'm sorry, do five minute sets and, uh, people follow an Instagram page can vote on their show and say who won. And then at the end of the month, all the people, the weekly winners go up against each other. And then those monthly winners are going to do a thing at the end of the year. That's supposed to be really, really big. They're keeping it very close to the chest. Um, so close to the vest, the chest, wherever they keep it. Yeah, close they keep to. it cl- close to something anyway. Yeah. And so, yeah, th- that was an idea that they came up with uh, to be a social media based show. Yeah. And, and give people those five comics at the top and then the 30 minute headliner at the end, which isn't filmed or live. But, you know, and the headliners have been great. Joe Kogallon, Joe McMahon, Kelly Howard, uh, Tanisha Rice. Russ Williamson, Dale McPeak. Yeah, like, all great yeah, Chicago just, comics. Yeah, and these are great, right, and these are great comedians to come see. And uh, y- utilizing social media through it, it just gives them more visibility, gives more presence to a place that I believe deserves it. So, Yeah, man. I mean, like, I, I just, you, you're really kicking a lot of ass, dude. Oh, um, thank you. I think we're running up on time. And uh, honestly, probably battery on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, Matthew Bright, thanks so much, man. Where can people get at, at you? Uh, they can get at me at uh, uh, Cloud B, uh, Artist Cloud B on Instagram. Also, just real quick, we have a show debuting October 28th called Go Hard Comedy. We're going to have a headliner, uh, Tanisha Rice, hosted by Vincent Bryant. It's going to be amazing. It's going to have a DJ. We're going to have an after party afterwards. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be oh, an incredible dude, Tanisha show. Rice so and Vince Bryant back from, yes. uh, la- from, uh, from Just for Laughs. From his JFL, uh, yeah, man. JFL uh, festival. A funny uh, just, guy. Yeah. All the way hilarious. from Atlanta. So All funny. the way up here. And uh, Tanisha Rice, who's, you know, it's Tanisha Rice. She's, oh, she's amazing. Incredible. I saw her at CYSK, and yeah. I didn't know who she was before that, and I was like, Jesus she's, Christ, she's she funny. Did the, uh, she's been on HBO's Def Comedy, uh, the all Def Comedy Jam they did this uh-huh. past the summer. Uh, she's got like 50,000 followers on Instagram. She's yeah. verified. She's incredible. She's funny and, and just can't wait to have her. So October 28th, 9 o'clock, um, that's what, that was like the last thing. But oh, yeah. Hell yeah, yeah, man. We'll post about that, too, if you have something up about it. Yeah, sure. The, well, link's live. You can buy tickets as soon as they hear this. <laughs> you can go right, check it out. Go yeah. check it out. Yeah, <laughs> click in it. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much, Matthew Bright. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Brenda, for having me, man. Yeah, dude. It. Meanwhile, the madness continues, everybody. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Galway. You haven't heard of Galway Bay? No. It's a uh, it's a bar, but it's I think it's like the comics bar. And so last night after the Laugh Factory thing, a lot of comics went out, and I went and joined them. And I'm very socially awkward, so I got very oh the Laugh Factory ja- the lottery thing now. Yeah, yeah. How did that go? Oh, I don't know. I was at Tomato Throw. Oh, uh, got it. And so I went to Tomato, and then I went to see John Norman did Chuck last night. 
Oh. Yeah, I, he didn't tell anybody. I just went to Chuck, and then John was there. Oh, shit. Good for him. Yeah, he did very well. He's very funny. Uh, and then it just started... I'm, I've become a piece of shit, man. Like, I'm, I don't have anything to do, and so, like, I don't have a reason to wake up. Yeah. I mean, I, I do mics, but, like, you can sleep until... I slept till 2 the other day. I I'm had, so jealous, though, a little bit. Uh, I hadn't done that in years, and then I woke up, and then I was just like, what What do I do? Just get a day project, man. Get something to work on for the day. Yeah, I've got a... Well, that was originally... I, I went to Texas to get away from everything, but also, like, start writing, like, a collection of essays. Yeah. But it's just... it's. It's hard for me. I'm not a very disciplined person unless I have somebody to like keep you accountable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like if I go I'm going to w- write 2 hours a day, I'll be like, "Ah, no one knows." <laughs> but like if I had to wake up and like I I think next week I have to go into training, I have to do like a week of training, and it doesn't matter like I've been waking up like really like 10 has been early for me. <laughs> And uh, you so- you sound like a fucking addict on this like on this I podcast know. right now. You sound you sound, you sound like this is like the last interview Corey Wood did before he like OD'd on heroin. Man, that was fucking crazy. That would be good for your podcast, right? It maybe if you were more famous. Uh, I bet a lot of people in the comedy scene would listen to it. I know a couple of them. We've talked about this. I want to put this on your podcast just so people don't get mad. If I die very young, tragically, I don't want anyone to say anything nice about me. Yeah, we talked about it. We talked about this. On the last podcast? I just want it out in the air. So like, Yeah, someone... we talked about it because we were talking about Michael Yankovic. And then, and then somebody else died, Yeah, and I messaged you and said, do you want to start talking shit about this person? <laughs> and you were like, that would be committing scene suicide right now. Yeah, it would be... Because the same thing happened. It was like the same. It's and it, I I think and the person who died. I don't even want to talk about it really. But like the person who died, I did not really know. But apparently they were very well liked mm-hmm. and people really loved them. I did not know them at all. That person and uh, it just was strange because I felt like one. Am I that out of this comedy scene that I actually don't know <laughs> who this person is? I think you gotta be. He was. Uh... But here's my thing is I'm like, I am, I'm, I've tried to like really like put it out there and like, I, I've been very, uh, I try to tell people like what they mean to me. Like, even if they're not a big deal, like I'll talk shit still. Like usually I will say something nice and because I can't do that, yeah, I will end it by being like, you're still a piece of shit though. But like now I've just been nice to everybody. So like, and like when, uh, he passed away, I was like, I don't know him well enough to like, I, I feel like posting would be like making it about me. Oh uh, yeah. And being like, uh, which I think unfortunately a lot of people do is they do. Yeah. To- it's kind of weird, right? Like, cause it, 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 it felt like, I mean, I posted when Mike Yankovic died, but it was sort of strange because it feels like everybody kind of has to put in their, like their strange sort of like almost like social you know like 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 you can't be conspicuously silent during this like period of time because you're like everybody's grieving like aren't you grieving and there's there's something kind of weird about it well i missed a lot of it because Mm. i i you were in texas i was in texas i didn't have internet and then uh i would uh for an hour every day i would drive up the road and i would get internet and i would you know just check and make sure like no one had like Died? I, yeah. <laughs> it was mainly for my family. As I, I told my family, I was like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive up the road. Don't text me. Yeah. Uh, just send me a Facebook message if something's really important. 
Because I have this fear that, like, uh, my family's going to, like, if I'm not able to get to the phone, my family's going to have a catastrophic thing happen. Yeah, yeah something terrible. That I somehow could have stopped. Like, Oh, uh, man. And so, uh, yeah, I just drove up the road one day, and there was, like, a thousand posts, and I was just like, damn. Like, it, it was very sad, but I also always think, I'm just like, be nice to me now. <laughs> like, yeah, don't be, yeah, be nice to somebody while they're alive. I don't know. I guess, uh yeah, there's something uh, about that for sure. There, I don't know. I, I guess I feel like I didn't. This one kind of made me feel bizarre because, again, like not to make it about m- me, but I guess that's exactly what happened is I felt like, wow, I didn't know this person. That must and every literally everyone else did. That made me feel like kind of kind of crazy. Like I was like, shit. And not like the scene made me feel bad, but I felt bad. Like I was like, damn, I'm not really being my best self, apparently. Yeah, I, I do feel like I feel like you've been a little out of the scene. Well, in the last six months, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really need to like get back into doing. Con- I was just talking with Vic about this, who was in here earlier, because uh, I need to get. I really would like to get back into it, but I've been just been working on other projects really since February, and then uh, you know had this new day job, which like I I I'm quite good at, and I is very rewarding, but like it just takes up so much of my time and energy. Yeah, it's uh, it's also tough. Like the God, I'm gonna sound like an asshole. I'm not like saying I'm established by any means, but it is. When I first moved here and no one knew who I was, it was easy for me to go to 14 mics a week when I didn't have a job. Oh yeah, totally. Summer. And I'd just be like, you know, this is I I don't know anyone here. I'm I'm gonna you know I'll go to this mic. I'll read a book. I'll talk to some people and I'll go up and I'll be very happy to do four minutes. And now, when I go to mics. If I can't get up like in the first five, I'm like, the fuck is this? Yeah, <laughs> what's the point of me being here? Like, yeah. cause I, I I really enjoy getting to a mic very early before there are people there, and then like putting in headphones, like not even having music in, but just like putting on like noise canceling headphones and reading or like writing. Well, writing, yeah. And then you know, and then some people get there all bullshit with them for like thirty minutes, and then the mic will start, and I'll be first, second, or third, and then I'll go up, I'll watch the person after me, and then I will either go to a new mic or leave. Yep. And that's just, I mean, like, that's for my sanity. I can't sit. A, a lot of comics on the scene, I could do their set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny because you you kind of get to the point, like, I remember sitting outside of Patsy's a lot. Like, last summer was mm-hmm. a lot of this, like, and uh, when did you move here? Two years ago? Yeah, about two years. Yeah, I remember when you first moved here, we would sit outside of Patsy's. We would do, I was like, I, we would sit around, we were both in the same boat, mostly. I'd been there for a year but it's like a year doesn't make a big difference in Chicago. Yeah. And like I was just – we would just spend a lot of time like at these mics and just kind of like hanging out. And then you go to the other mic and you do the same thing. And like that's kind of – that's pretty much how it would roll. Like so much of your time was just spent fucking hanging out at these like mics basically. Yeah, and then the mics are always like I, I think there's like a new comedy class like every six months. It seems like there's like a new wave of people. Like right now, yeah, the people I, I'm thinking about are like Zachary Lampkin and like Sam Prickett, and they've been here a while, but they seem like the new guys to me. They're all killers, and it pisses me off. They're all doing very well. Zachary Lampkin is. Do you know Zach? No. Uh, he's this black guy, and he's just been dis- like destroying so oh, bad. Oh wait, it, it he, pisses me off. He's the dude who he does the the. 420 mic with um uh janelle murphy i think right the the weed mic that they have going on the weed mic. <laughs> yeah it's like pretty i'm pretty sure that's a, what's uh, going on right yeah i think he is on that yeah and uh but he's just a killer but like i anyway i think there's like a new like comedy class and i i, I don't even know if i was with mine but i feel like the people i was close to were like 
you, the Young Hustle crew, John, yep. like all that. And so it used to not like I'd go to Mike's and I would see like, you know, I'd see Petite, I'd see Josh like and just be like, oh, hey, guys. And like just sit there and we like the same crew of people. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know if I like Clay Hurlbut, but I would sit there and talk to <laughs> I him. I don't know if anybody does. <laughs> <laughs> I would just I mean, like, just go if you just want to argue for an hour, just go up to Clay and Clay, be like, start Jordan talking wasn't to him. that good. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan just sucks. say anything. And you'd be like, oh, my God, that kid. No, man, this motherfucker, he's coming up here. He's like, <laughs> trying to say Jordan ain't good. Like, just, <laughs> That's pretty close. That was a good, oh, good man. play. <laughs> oh, dude. I uh, Yeah, I got to get back into it. I think that's the thing that I was talking with uh, my girlfriend about this the other day is that like uh, I really, I really want to get back into it. I, I'm trying to figure out now, like how do you, you know, this is like a real, it's part of the reason I had Vic on here is he gets booked and he gets paid, which is nuts. Yeah. How the fuck? I need to start getting to a point where I've been doing this for 16 years. I really need to start getting to a point where I get fucking paid for doing this and like paid where I can like make a living doing it. Like, uh, because that's what I wanted. I think that's what I want to do is I'm like, I really want to make a mark in the space. There's only one way to do it. I'm going to have to get something to actually get paid to do this. Yeah. I, I mean, if I knew how to do that, I'd be doing that. I wouldn't be doing this <laughs> stupid podcast. <laughs> I'd be out making money, bitch. <laughs> you got to do this fucking podcast for free, uh, asshole. Um, I think I I think where I'm leaning more now is I think I'm going to... Like right now, if you ask me, my plan, it changes all the time. But I'm like, I'm going to be in Chicago a little bit longer than I'm going to go to New York. And I'm going to try to get really good in New York. But eventually, I think I'm going to move back to Texas. And like mainly to be closer to my family. Being back in Texas, I was like, oh, God, I love my family. I want to be around them all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. But then I think for me, I don't want to be famous or anything. I just want, I can make decent money in Texas. Like, mm. I mean, not like a lot, but like I can go to small towns, make some money. And I think, you know, I would love to be able to take a year off, which I mean, everyone would, but, and then go and like tour, like do a bunch of small towns. Like there are several like towns in Texas that are like 150 to 200,000 people. Yep. And like, but there's nothing to do. That was like Lubbock. Lubbock was the like yeah. best place to start because we got so many people out to open mics just because it was like come to the open Yeah, what mic. the fuck else is there to do? Yeah. Uh, and then you start, I think you start building a fan base and, you know, you collect emails, you stay after, you, you do the show, you stay after the show, you hang out with people, you talk yep. and you make people feel like connected to you. Yep. And then you start and then you like build a small fan base. And, but I mean, this is all like theory i don't know how to do it but that's what i want to do i want like stanhope doesn't show up on tv almost ever no he doesn't like you don't really hear about him but like people will drive for hours to see him like if he's doing one show in yep. texas <laughs> just he, reminding Corey to talking in the <laughs> microphone <laughs> if he's doing one show in texas like when he did Lubbock, I mean, people drove seven, eight hours to see him because he wasn't doing another show in Texas anytime soon. It's yeah. Like, that's what I, I just want. I would much rather have like 10,000 devoted fans who are just like, I love this dude, than have like 5 million, like, yeah, he's cool. Like, you know. Yep. Like, I don't know, like, Kevin Hart is great and probably the most successful comedian working right now. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know how many people, like, I mean, religiously follow him. Yeah. 
Right. How many people are going to drive eight hours to go see him? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, Doug Stanhope did, um, he came out and did a Reykjavik, Iceland, like right before we got there. Uh-huh. He, he was there in February, and people were like, it, it was like standing room only. He did like three shows, one right after the other, like on a, and that was it. He just came in, did three fucking crazy shows that like was just unbelievable. And then like, and then, and that was it. And the, and people were like the, the English speaking comedy scene was like in awe of him because like he just came in and dr- just dropped the hammer and then left basically. Yeah. I mean, he's a monster. He's like one of the best people working right now. It's just a lot of people don't know who he is. I, I, I saw someone fall out of their chair when he performed like, yeah. laughing, like not drunk. They were, they just laughed so hard. They fell off their bar stool. And I was like, hell yeah. God damn, man. <laughs> I just want to like get to that, that just being able to do that to a crowd. And I'm not doing enough stand up right now to fucking even begin to approach that, which is kind of getting on my nerves. But like, I just want to do that. But that's why part of the reason I'm working with Tom Rhodes is like, I want to do that, but internationally, like yeah. not just around Texas, like some fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Texas uh, could be another country. You know, we're <laughs> it, very it proud of that. It technically was. It used to be. It's the only country, it's the only state in the United States that can fly the state flag higher than the American flag. Yeah, we don't do that, though. We we are very proud of being American and Texan. <laughs> uh, Texas is a beautiful... I, I get uh, a little tired of people talking shit about it. <laughs> like, well, uh, yeah. Well, I just... Uh, the you, I was telling you the other day, our, my other girlfriend flew up here from Austin, mm-hmm. I guess. I, it's a strong word. I don't know if she'd even like me to describe her using that word. <laughs> <laughs> she shall remain nameless. Uh, but, like, I, I yeah, I'm going to go down to Austin and try to do some stuff, try to do some shows, I think, uh, in August, maybe. Yeah, August, uh, August is a really good city. <laughs> <laughs> August is a great uh, city in uh, month. <laughs> Austin's a great, uh, it's a great stand-up scene. That's, I've only done one show there, but it was awesome. And I, I've seen shows there. It's, it's great. But Austin, I, I always tell people that Austin's not Texas. <laughs> That's what people, everybody in Texas is like, Austin ain't Texas. Yeah, it's, it's super liberal. <laughs> like, Texas just isn't liberal. And that's... <laughs> That's uh, and it makes I've I had somebody I did that at a show once and I had some girl get like real pissed like she was like I'm, I was like I'm from Texas and she cheered and I was like oh really where are you from she's like I'm from Austin and I was like that's not actually Texas <laughs> and she's like actually it's the state capital and I was like I fucking know I don't care though <laughs> are y'all actually, nice to gay people not Texas <laughs> not Texas <laughs> actually Texas uh, are y'all accepting it are you guys are are y'all a sanctuary city? Not Texas. <laughs> but yeah, you should go to Austin, man. It's fun. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to going down there. Um, so what is so you went down to Texas for two and a half weeks, uh-huh. and you were just doing a bunch of different shows, different different stuff. Uh, I I did some shows, but mainly I went down there. It was the end. I just finished uh, teaching, and so I get two months off, and I was just like, I'm so. The last month of teaching is so stressful, and then like I've started this new show, which has been very stressful. And I was like, I just need to. What show again? Uh, the Hidden Comedy Show. That's right, the Hidden Show. Oh and, gosh. And Pardon so, me, I just was yawning at the thought of it. Uh, <laughs> if you continue, <laughs> it's a great show. Fuck you. Uh, I went to Texas just for two weeks mainly to get away, but I was like, well, it's hard for me to go somewhere and not do comedy while I'm there. So I was like, yeah, I'll reach out in Dallas. I I did three shows in Texas and they all, something went terribly wrong at all of them. (laughs) (laughs) And like the first one I, I I reached out in Dallas and I was supposed to kind of be like co-headliner at this show. 
because uh, they're like, <clears throat> they're like, we already have a headliner. She's coming from out of town. We're not going to take time from her, but you can do like 20, 25 minutes. And mm. I was like, okay, perfect. And then I got there and, uh, and they're like, all right, you ready? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, when are you going to light me? And they're like at eight. And I was like, oh, that's very early. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, when, and when do you want to be lit? And I was like, yeah, like 15. And they're like, uh, you're doing 10. <laughs> And I was, and I showed, sorry, sorry, asshole. I showed them the email and I was like, y'all told me I was doing 20 to 25 <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, okay, we could do that. But every other comic on the show is going to go from 10 minutes to three. And I was like, well, I don't want to be that guy. So then I ended up doing 10, but there was like 20 people in the crowd and like 15 of them were there to see me because I hadn't performed in Texas in a long time. I have a lot of friends in the yeah. Dallas area. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, this is my, my crowd. <laughs> Uh, my family came here. My family, like old church friends, which was terrifying. Oh my god! Uh, then, like, I had like a friend that I went to college with, like, surprised me, saw it on my Facebook, didn't tell me she was coming, and then her and her husband showed up, and it was really cool. Uh, but then, like, I I also had told a lot of people I was doing, like, I was like, I'm gonna do about twenty twenty five minutes, and then they're like, that was really short, and I was like, sorry, yeah, I know you drove three hours to see me. <laughs> oh my god, no! But uh, yeah, I'm doing ten minutes. I once had a similar kind of thing happen. I would edit a comedy show, not it's the same way, but when I was in Colorado, I was doing a show in Boulder, uh-huh. and uh, I was living in Boulder, and they did a they used to do a comedy show at this bar called the Bitter Bar, and it was called the Bitter Comedy Show. And I had talked my way somehow into getting on the show. Uh-huh. Um, and I was not performing a hell of a lot of stand-up around there at the time. Uh, there just wasn't a lot of opportunity. I was going to, like, open mic open mics. Like, straight-up open mics. Oh, not, like, comedy open Yeah, mics. there would be, like, a guy with a guitar and then a dude who beatboxes and then a woman doing spoken word poetry. And then, like, me trying to make you laugh. <laughs> like, it was so weird. And the only advantage was that you would get, like, they'd be like, okay, you got, like, 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. all this time? <laughs> Like, it was just madness. And uh, so, I anyway, I went to the Bitter Bar, but I messaged pretty much the hottest girl I knew, who I met on an airplane coming back from L.A. <laughs> she sat next to me, and she's a professional model uh, and was just gorgeous. And not only gorgeous, but actually a really nice, like, really beautiful woman. Like, like very cool, very chill, like, super nice, loves her family. Like, I actually got to know her over, like, the three-hour flight from L.A. Yeah. to Colorado. And then uh, I was like, and so I think she thought I was like a big time comic because uh-huh. I'm like coming back from L.A. And I'm like, oh, I got this show at the Bitter Bar. Like, you should come out. And she's like, oh, yeah. So I got this message from her that day where she was like, I mean, I'm bringing out like three or four of my friends. Oh, so God. her and three or four of the <laughs> other hottest women I've ever seen in my life to that point, like walk in. And I'm like, oh, my God. And the guy's like, yeah, you're doing like five minutes. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? I'm like, I, I'm like, listen, I can I do any more time like at all? Like, and the guy was like, we'll give you seven like basically <laughs> and so it's like so shitty because they drove like 90 minutes and like almost two hours out from denver just because of the way traffic works around there yeah and like same kind of deal i mean not that you know you hadn't seen them in years but it was like <laughs> you just you said all these people think that they're coming to see you do like a great show uh-huh. and then they're like yeah you're only wait uh, you're only here for eight minutes like <laughs> yeah it's it's t- performing and uh, people don't understand what we do at all like I don't like when I tell people I do comedy, I think people think I like walk into a bar or a club and people are like, oh, shit, Corey. Hey, yeah. Oh, and Corey then, Woods here. And then they're like, you're up in five. You're up in five and you're doing an hour. And then you get. Yeah. And then you get grab the mic and you're like, how you motherfuckers doing? And then everybody starts like clapping. Yeah, and they're like, and yeah, like, you know, I'm oh, it's like Netflix. 
I'm like, no, I get to a bar three hours early. <laughs> and I usually read a, a children's book. <laughs> <laughs> so I can teach it later and I grade papers and I just sit there and wait. <laughs> and they come up to me and they go, uh, just water? And I go, yeah, I'll get something later. And <laughs> And then four, four or five people who have been doing this way less time, who are getting way more shows in Chicago, come in. <laughs> <laughs> they bump me, and <laughs> and then everyone collectively chants, "Corey sucks." <laughs> that's comedy. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. But, so yeah, I did that show in Dallas. That and that like the crowd was my crowd, <laughs> and so I did well, but I yeah. only did ten minutes, and that was a bummer because I. You know, when you look forward to doing a lot of time, like I was like, oh, I haven't done 25 minutes in a long time. This like, will be really fun. I'll stretch my legs. I'll like, yeah. yeah all the and I was stuff. like, I'll, I'll, I'll start with this like really hot joke that I know is going to work and I'll end with this really hot joke. And then I'm going to play in the middle. I'm going to take some jokes that I haven't had time to work out because a lot of my jokes are more than four minutes long. Yeah. And so I was like, I'll, I'll play with these jokes that I haven't had a chance. And then they're like, oh, yeah, well, you just cut off. And so, I mean, I went with my two best jokes and like, I think one joke in between, but like. It's still a bummer. Then I went to Amarillo to do a show, and the guy brought me up because I was doing a show in Amarillo, and then I figured out that there was a show in Lubbock where I like started comedy, and I was like, I want to do that, and this one started at 7, this one started at 10, or 9, and I was like, oh, I could make both of them. So I asked the guy, I was like, hey, can I go up first? I, I want to go back to uh, Lubbock, and he was, like, he was like, yeah, sure, and then he didn't do any, the host didn't do any time, and then he pulled me up and went like, oh, okay, this next guy... Uh, uh, we're letting him go up first because he's an asshole and he has to leave. <laughs> and like, didn't <laughs> nothing. I, I think he is trying to be funny, but it seemed mean. I, yeah. I don't. I don't think he is trying to be mean. But then the crowd was like, "Who the hell is this guy? Yeah, who's this fucking asshole?" And so then I go up, and it was like a benefit to like raise money for a kid who needed like physical therapy. I looked like an like just the biggest dick. And then I go up and I do ten minutes there, and it went okay. But the crowd was just super weird, and I was like, "All right, well, I'm gonna go to Lubbock." <clears throat> That's like Lubbock. I go to Lubbock and I feel like a superstar, not because like people are like chanting my name or anything. It's just like I did comedy there so long and I was doing well there so long that like it's just my home. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. And so I got there. I was like, hell yeah, got there. And the show ran over two hours. And so like, oh, the, you got the, the you got the bitter end. Yeah. And so the host wasn't lighting people. And then like I could see the crowd getting restless. And I was like, I got to go up. I got to go up. I almost asked him if I could not go up last. I was like, can I just do my like 15 minutes now? Uh, but I, I waited. And then right before I was supposed to go up, uh, it started at nine. It was 11 before I went up and I thought I was up next. And then the host was like, Hey, there's someone here who's never tried comedy before, but they wanted to get up and try. So we're going to let them get on stage for a little oh bit. Oh my God. And then he is, he told me she was going to do three minutes. And I was like, no, she's not. Yeah. She's never tried comedy. She's going to be up there for 10 minutes and, and has no idea. She is up there for 10 minutes. Uh, maybe had like one good joke. And then the rest of the time was just like, man, and the crowd is like, Oh, we're done. Yeah. And, and they're like, man, the rest of the time she was just like, man, everyone on the show sucks so far. Right. Like they're all so bad. And like, Oh no. And then, like, the crowd left. There was, like, there were 30 people. And then by the time I got on stage, there were, like, eight people left. Oh, no, man. And three of them were, like, that girl and two of her friends. And then there was, like, a table of five. And I was just like, guys, I know you're tired and you don't want to watch any more comedy. But I, like, flew from Chicago 
to Dallas then drove from Dallas to Lubbock so I could perform um I was supposed to do 20 minutes I'm not gonna do that but like can I do five minutes and like y'all just be on board and then they were very nice and they were on board and I did five minutes but I was like you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit up here for 20 minutes and just torture you <laughs> yeah they com- were comedy yeah <laughs> driving two hours to do five minutes <laughs> But it's just like I had a bunch of shows where I was like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. And like just something happened. I was like, ah, this is terrible. (laughs) Why do I do this? I'm so I'm so sorry, man. Oh, it's it's fine. It's (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, you have to think about quitting this every once in a while. (laughs) Like if you don't think about quitting once every six months, like you aren't you're not you're not taking enough risks. (laughs) Yeah, you're not a good comic. (laughs) Oh, man. I need to, I, I, uh, I feel the opposite right now. I'm like, shit, I really need to get back on stage and doing a whole bunch, like trying to work out new stuff, working on projects, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, there's nothing like being hungry for it. Cause that's like, I can do so much comedy here that like, I forget like when I was in Texas and like, I would go up once a week at a karaoke and you're like, I just have to do this more. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, you know, and I'd like, I would, you know, comedy is what keeps me from getting sad a lot of the time. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it's doing a good job lately. <laughs> oh, I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm just like, ah. I, you, I know. I, I caught you before you were drinking today. <laughs> uh, you're going to, my parents already think I'm an alcoholic, so you got to be careful. <laughs> they are 100% going to listen to this. They're not going to talk to me about it. But I, know, <laughs> I know they listen to our last I, One podcast. of these days, I really hope I meet your family one of these days because they, they actually sound like the loveliest people. Oh, they are the nicest people in the I, world. I, I, what did they do in their past lives to deserve having a comic as a child? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I think, my I think about like, my parents sometimes. My mom would like mean nothing more than to than to like just settle down with like Mary Gloria, make an honest woman out of her, have a kid, and just work the rest of my life having a decent day job. And like my mom would be so happy. She would be so, she would be thrilled if I like. And then move closer back home. She would just love that. And in my head, I'm like, how do I get the other girlfriend? And then how do I get the TV show? How do I get to the next? Like, what is the next project? Like, that's all I'm focused on is like, how do I do the next project? And I, I, I don't know how easy it would be to get Gloria to marry you. But like getting a good job, like you have a good job. I have a good job. You could live most people's dream. Like that's. Yeah. Fuck me. Right. <laughs> I, I tell myself that all the time when I'm at work. I'm like, oh, most of these people have made it. Like most of these people 10 years ago were like, I want to be a teacher. And now they're a teacher. And, you know, like a lot of them are getting married and they're so happy. And I'm like, I almost lived the same life as you. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm so unhappy with it. Why I'm, am I so unhappy? I'm like, I gotta talk about my balls. I, I'm trying to always, yeah, I gotta talk about my dick with strangers. Uh, yeah, I. It's funny because I think about my, and it's not that I'm not grateful because I super, I am, but it's I have to, I have to remind myself to be grateful. Like I have mm-hmm. to be like, man, I worked really hard for years to try to get to a day job that enabled me to go do things like Edinburgh afforded the stuff to do this podcast. Like mm-hmm. it pays for a lot of stuff. It pay, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm really happy about that. Uh, but it is like kind of bizarre cause you're like, this isn't my passion at all. And I really want to start making money on my passion by doing comedy that I love. And it's just fucking hard. It's this hard circle to square, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm lucky. Like, I, I, I think teaching is, like, sincerely a passion of mine. Yeah. And, like, sometimes in my dumb head when I start going, like, oh, well, when I make it, it's going to be really sad that I can't teach anymore. <laughs> like, when I'm super famous, it's going to be very hard to be a teacher, which is uh, ridiculous. But it's still, like, I'm jealous of people, like, 
who can just get a job and then get married and like that's what they want. Like and I, I'm I'm very I'm simplifying their experience, but I I'm very I wish that was me. I wish like there's I think we talked about this. There's this part of me that very much knows I will never be happy with what I have. Like I'll only be happy chasing something. See, I'm we talked about that the other day because I just not to like toot my horn and be like, man, so good, it's so great. But like a fucking great weekend. The, this other woman whom I'm in love with, I think, came up from Texas and spent time with Gloria and I over the weekend. And it and I, I felt so good. And then and then she left and I felt like fuck everything <laughs> like i'm very happy with gloria i'm very happy with my girlfriend it's lovely you'd think a man would be like oh i'm so satisfied and fulfilled and instead i'm like duh <laughs> do you think that's a comic because I, I it has to be a comic thing do you think other people like reach a point and they're like and this is and i'm happy like and i don't think no i think always that, i happy. think they do that until they get into their 40s and then they st- and then they buy a corvette <laughs> and then they and then they and they think, well, what what could have happened? You know what I mean? Maybe I'll go back to school. And then like that's the whole thing. And then they maybe have an affair and they get divorced <laughs> and then they find another woman and it's fine. And that's the whole thing. Yeah. And I, I feel like all of but we are so like comedians are so sensitive that we're like, I can't I can't allow I, I'm so I can't any ripple and then I'm not, I'm not like it always yeah, it could be a little better, actually. We're too aware of ourselves. We're too like yeah. we it would be just we'd all be better if we just d- would be a little bit dumber. Like, wouldn't be like, what? what? Is- Why do you think we're drinking so much? Like, because <laughs> you get drunk enough and you're not like, oh well, like they they looked at me weird. Like you're just like I'm happy. Like, it's- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I don't care. Yeah, I'm high now. I don't really give a shit about this. Mostly, <laughs> like it just it feels so that feels so real. Like I. <laughs> I don't know, man. This is actually why I wanted to have you on the pod is because I wanted to talk about this like slightly. Is it just feels like there's no, I don't know what the you know what the way out <laughs> is, so to speak. <laughs> okay, so this went from my last podcast where I die of heroin overdose to your last podcast because you're gonna kill yourself right now. <laughs> I just you know I can't can it get better? I don't know. Just email me this before you. The go. only reason I wouldn't do kill well, there's a lot of people. So first of all, I wouldn't kill myself because life is really not that bad. It sucks that it can never be good indefinitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it also, but like, there's all aside from those things. There are so many people who I know really care about me that it would devastate them if I did anything like that. So I would just never do it. I think you're overestimating how many people care. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd be a little sad, but I wouldn't use the words devastated. I know, after <laughs> I was gone, you would start. You'd be like, that guy was kind of an asshole. <laughs> oh, I for sure. If it is like, if if I lose a close friend, I'm being a dick to them online. <laughs> Jesus. Like, if Norman goes out, it's going to be... People are going to hate me. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. Uh, uh, I actually probably should wrap... We should probably wrap this up. Yeah, I'm going to do this I little one a and toss it on the uh, on the pod uh, with the, before the Vic episode, I think. Just doing a little bit of Corey therapy. All I right. need to have you around more often because I feel like we actually work through some of the things that I feel... <laughs> I feel like we've been hanging out like a, quite a bit. Yeah, because like. I've been having problems and I need to w- <laughs> help work them out. <laughs> well, I came over to your house the other day. I saw you. Uh, you're passing by a mic and then you're like, you just want to come over and drink. And we came over and had a drink and I was like, oh, this has nothing to do with comedy. No, we were just and hanging I was out. so happy. Yeah, we were just hanging out. Like, yeah. I forgot what it's like to have friends with like... <laughs> That aren't like, can I run this bit by you? Like, can I? Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, I mean, that'll change when I start getting up on stage more lately. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, Corey, thank you so much, man. Uh, thanks.